Welcome to Book Pile Banter. This is Amberly, Sarah, and Kim. And today we are going to discuss System Collapse, which is our final episode of the year. Um, fun fact, I think because of how many of Martha Wells' books we've done, she is my most read author this year, which was kind of a weird thing to discover. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so this was published in 2023. I think it came out just in November, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so we are breaking our two-month rule on this one because these guys really wanted to discuss it. Uh, and I'm totally cool with that, too, not to make me sound like the outlier. Okay, the plot is we pick up where we left off with Murderbot in Network Effect. Murderbot is trying to come to terms with a redacted issue while assisting in saving the different human groups living on the planet. Now, before we get into the story, what are our feelings about the show news? indifference indifference okay i mean i wasn't gonna watch it pretty much no matter what so and it's on apple tv so i it's inaccessible i guess is the word it is Um, not inaccessible we have apple tv so you could have come over to our house or you can come over to our house to watch it in the future if you so desire that's a lot of driving for a show that again i don't trust adaptations um it's just letting you know that is an option if you decide you want some, you know, visually real life murder button stuff in your life. Yeah, we'll see about that. Okay, what well, about I think the it's really cast? Good. Oh, go ahead, Kim. I just say if I think it's really good, then I'll let you know, and uh, we'll wait till it's all the way out, and then you can come and just binge the entire thing. Sarah doesn't binge TV shows. Well, if she doesn't want to drive back and forth. <laughs> I prefer to watch TV, you know, like 10 minutes an episode and then just stretch that out over several days. Oh, um, Christ. A lot of shows that could take for fucking ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. But I don't really like sitting in front of a TV. I get bored too fast. So it's like small yeah. doses. Are the best way for me to get through. Fun fact: When we share a hotel room, it is the most silent my life is. <laughs> that's funny. And when I'm in a hotel room, it's the most silent my life is too, because I don't turn on the TV ever when I'm when we're traveling. I don't really have a choice. I have to be like, okay, I'm eating. I am going to turn on the TV now. <laughs> if you have to turn on the TV, I'm like, it's fine. I know <laughs> there have been times. There have been times where I've been like, do you mind if I turn on the TV and you give me the death glare? I feel like you're just assigning an emotion to my face, but like, my face just... Sarah, I know your face well enough. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you, Anyway. I did think it was weird that you didn't want to watch TV very much. I was like, whatever. (laughs) So... What are your feelings on the show news, Kim? Um, well, I mean, I want it to be a show because I like adaptations. I like having the visual representation in my brain. Um, interestingly enough, I've been thinking about it here just recently. I don't make visual pictures in my brain as I'm reading. Um, you don't? So, no. So when characters, how do you enjoy reading so much? When characters are described to me, 
I oh I love to read. Um, when characters are described, I don't remember what they look like. They they don't become a visual representation in my in my brain. Um, are there like so. images in your brain, or is it just? It's just the words making a story. How does it? How does it make the story? Like, do the words become the shape is of things? Words and you. No, it's just no. <laughs> that would be weird. Um, no, it's just the story. It's it's. I I don't know how to describe it, but there's no vision. There's no picture in my brain. Just a big black screen. Not even that. It's it's just the story unfolding as I read it. But how does it unfold? What do you mean, how does it unfold? It's a story. There are words written. They form a sentence. Those sentences combine together and all in, you know, they all become a story. Do you ever have pictures in your head? <laughs> like when you daydream? Do you no. daydream? I do daydream. I used to daydream a lot. Um, but no but visual. No. <laughs> no. What about you, Sarah? Up. Do you get visuals? I mean, yeah. Okay. Pretty sure. It's always hard because when people describe their experiences, either it's they can't describe them accurately or like the words they're using, maybe they just don't line up. It's just some people seem to, I don't know, it's so hard because we all have our own experiences and we don't know what it looks like for other people. But it's like some people, it yeah. almost sounds like they actually like can see something floating in front of them. And it's like, it's not like that. Like I can drive and also have pictures going in my head because I'm daydreaming while I drive because, you know, why not? But like at no point does it like overlay my vision. Like I'm aware of where I am, but I'm also just imagining other things. I don't know. With visual. So I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. So for me, the way I've described it is when I am reading and even when I'm daydreaming, it's like an impressionist painting where I see colors and they kind of swirl and shift and it kind of creates a vague image, but not like a super detailed image. More it becomes about sensations as I'm reading. Mine are usually animated. I don't usually imagine people as like real people. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, backgrounds tended to get, like, I don't usually put a lot of processing in the background. So, like, I can see maybe, like, I can imagine faces and people and kind of spatially mm -hmm. where they might be. But it's a simplified picture. Um, but, like, I definitely have. Yes, I don't even get faces. It's just, just colors and, like, their emotions, like, take huh. the shape of them. Um, and faces then, so is, like, the clearest thing I get. Yeah, no, it like, and so when I reread something, my own emotional state can change how I see the characters visually in my brain. Because one time I might have really connected with them and like really had an intense reaction to them and could very detailed recognize them. And then if I go back years later and read it, like the colors will have shifted, the interpretations of their emotions will have shifted. Uh, so it's just like if you had taken like one of um, Van Gogh's images and like just turned it into swirling motion. 
It's funny that all three That's of us have such I, different I'm, yeah. experiences. <laughs> Mine is pretty much black and white. Colors don't really register. So like reading Red Rising and it took me, because I've now gone through it two and a half times. It's just the first two mm-hmm. books, not not all three. Um, it took me until about the halfway through the second time of going through it to realize that all of the people that were the the miners, you know, whatever, the reds, mm-hmm. they all had red hair and red eyes. Yeah. That did not process for me at all. And then I then I went, oh, okay, now, so all of these other colors have that color hair and that color of eyes. And that, mm-hmm. yeah, that didn't register for me at all because I just don't. It's a major component that's established very early It on. is, it is. And, and, <laughs> And I got it and I got, I get it. It's a tie to the red dirt. And I, the concept is all there. I get it. Um, but to me, they were more Irish or Scottish, but I think they're Irish um, than actual hair color. And that's because not all Irish are red. I think they're Scotch Irish, actually. Are I, I don't anyway, think it's the, Irish over Scottish. The point was, I knew she was a redhead, his, his wife. I knew she yeah, was you. a redhead. But, yeah. And it's probably one of the reasons That's why I read books funny. so many times is picking up those those fine details, like the fact that she was teeny tiny, almost childlike. That didn't really process in my brain either. <laughs> so, anyway, that's me yeah. in reading. So, I oh, can't man. remember what the original... Oh, I'm excited for the visual representation. Um yeah. What about whether I'm excited about the actor they chose for Murderbot? Yeah, so that that one's harder for me. I have to say, I don't know why, but it really threw me because I really envisioned Murderbot being non-binary or androgynous, leaning towards female. I never visualized a big man being Murderbot. I had opposite, like more of like a Kendall kind of look. <laughs> because like if you're making a security bot construct, whatever, they're probably gonna go for like more intimidating design. So it will be like I didn't necessarily imagine Murderbot as being like a buff looking fella or like really tall. In fact, I think it says its height in one of the books when it makes itself shorter. And I don't remember what that yeah. height was. I, I but can't like, either. At the very least, I did imagine kind of like masculine, severe features because that would, granted, it wears a mask or a helmet all the time. So I guess it doesn't make a huge difference, but definitely not like petite sort of figure. Um, I, my image, my image was always looming. He had to be, it had to be big enough to be looming. It also had to do a whole lot of things that, you know, it, it carries people on the regular. And it's got to be large enough to carry people. Not strong enough, large enough. Because um, otherwise you're just dragging their feet behind behind <laughs> you. You know, if, if they're taller than you, bigger than you, whatever. Even if you're strong enough to carry them, there, there's got to be a component to being able to do that physically. So this is not exactly this actor, but this is kind of who I was visualizing when I visualized. Like, if I were to be told, what would you cast? I would cast someone like Vico Ortiz. Like, 
this is someone who I could believe would be capable of carrying people, but is not big and bulky and almost like, like underdogged in terms of not someone you would necessarily expect to be like a traditional security person, but instead just- I'm trying just, to scroll this it, and I realized you're just casting it. It's not- Yeah, I'm like, sorry. Would I you like it? me to- <laughs> I mean, I know yeah, they so, look like- um, Yeah. I don't know. They're too slight for what I would imagine. Oh, no. But See, that too. was totally what I was picturing. The facial features work well, but yeah, not- The build just- Well, the well, one thing I will say, because we haven't named them yet, it's it's Alexander Skarsgård, right? Skarsgård, yeah. The Scars Guards are very capable of being androgynous and very capable of being buff and masculine. Um, they just went for like the most masculine of the Scars Guards, though. They did do the most masculine, but well, he is capable of doing. One. What's hey, that? I like that one. I said at least it's not the creepy one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I kind of can't remember their names now, but yeah. Just a I would have liked. I would have liked the one that played Floki in Vikings, um, but he he's got a receding hairline. He he wasn't he isn't pretty enough to. Uh, so to play Kim wishes so. it was Gustav Skarsgård. Gustav, Sarah's yeah, happy. Just. It's not Bill Skarsgård. Bill would have been good though. He is such a good actor. He is so good. He is. Um, just, what's I funny about him? He's to... doing. Nosferatu, he is playing Nosferatu, and the director says that he completely disappears to the character. You do not see him at all. All you oh, see man. is Nosferatu. Um, I am so I'm looking be forward to that. So excited. Yeah. Sarah's I mean, looking at us like we're crazy. Yeah, they're very capable actors. So him him doing it doesn't bother me that much. He's not the one I would have chosen, but I knew uh Gustav. Just he he is a leading man type of actor. He just isn't. He doesn't fall into that. How I know not in America at least. Yeah. And let's be realistic. They wanted a little bit of eye candy to draw people into Murderbot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's fine. I just like I don't know. I I wanted non barony non binary or androgynous. Even if it's a male androgynous, Murphy. I don't want you in my lap, Doug. Darling. But again, I think he can do it. <laughs> I think I think Alexander can do it. I think he can yeah. pull off the androgyny. So it, it'll be interesting. What I found most interesting was I wonder if she, when we were there and we and she was talking when, when we went to the meet and greet thing, um, if she knew then because somebody oh, asked her if had she had a, must have. had a preference. Yeah, they asked her if she had a preference but, and she goes, yeah, I don't I, no, I don't care. You know, I don't have a choice in it, so I don't care. Well, she said specifically that she didn't want to give her opinion because it had been optioned, and so she didn't want to compare that right, but to yeah. the show had been optioned, not the actor. Yeah. So what Kim's saying is that we didn't know that it had been cast. People just knew that it had been optioned. They didn't know it had gotten that far, and she wasn't expressing. Basically, because there's a yeah. huge yeah, difference between people. optioning and announcing. Yeah, I know, but right. I'm just saying, like, she knew at that time who had been cast and everything, presumably, but. What 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 I found interesting about it is so many uh, authors in the past have gone, oh, you know, I don't really, or I wanted this actor, and then they don't get that actor for whatever reason, and there will be mass, there's massive blowback. So I I thought it was very diplomatic of her to be just like, yeah, no, whatever they choose, it's their choice, and yet she's a consultant on the show, 
So yeah. she was very likely part of the selection process. So that to me says a lot because she she probably put her stamp of approval based on his audition. So we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Murphy. I love every every show. He is literally belly up, right? Yep, and swear because you're wiggling your fingers around. Yeah. Whereas okay. Leedon is just laying here sweetly, just asleep. Yeah, no, Murphy wants cuddles. He always wants cuddles. He loves me so much, and I don't hate Sarah's it. Sarah's like, I'm so tired of hearing about your guys' cats. <laughs> yeah, right. Out. Hi. Okay, so shifting into system collapse. The first part is plot. Kim, what do you think of the plot for a system collapse? This is going to be so hard because all I'm going to do is say I love it. I love, I loved every minute. Why? Why? Don't ask me why because I love it. I love it. That's why because what do you love about it? It's awesome. Murph. Murderbot. Murderbot. And um, the humanity that this cyborg brings that. um, That's not plot. That's character. I know, but that's what I love. Well, did that's, you like the fact that we like... stayed on the same planet? Sure. I don't care. Okay. Sarah, what did you think of the plot? <laughs> and I swear to God, well, if you say, I love it. it. Well, you know, I just, I really liked it. No. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, I am. Um, so I did read this book a second time before we did this recording. All right. And I will say that um, I feel like I appreciated the plot more the second read through. Um, The whole redacted thing kind of threw me off the first time because I was trying to figure out what was redacted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is this referencing what happened in Network Effect? Like, is it referencing like 2.0 dying or is it referencing just that confrontation with um, Buck, the infected corpse? that it ran into down there or like is this a new thing that hasn't been discussed yet and so things would be happening but i would just be obsessing about what the hell redacted was and so the plot in that aspect it was like i kind of got frustrated because we're just walking around describing these tunnels and these rooms and like that's fine it was obviously mostly to focus on murder bots psyche (laughs) Yeah, psychological state of being. Um, and this, yeah, this book was more cerebral in that aspect because there's not a lot that actually happens. Um, and I wasn't super thrilled that they were still on the same damn planet as before that it picked up so immediately after Network Effect. I was kind of, you know, after Network Effect, it kind of implies that Art and Murderbot might go off to do adventures. And so the fact that they have not done that yet, I was like, mm, okay, I guess we'll deal with these colonists a little longer. Um, but even so, if even though it didn't really match my expectations, um, I did still like the plot. I did like that Murderbot was actually getting some time to try and not, not try and process, but like it is that it has to process this kind of stuff. It can't just keep going through these 
um, scenarios back to back to back, and it never has like any impact on it, especially the neural tissue that's actually human. Um, and so it was interesting to see that. And then the interactions with art drone and Murderbot, those were just, those were choice. Mm -hmm. Loved all of that so much. I love art so much. I cannot believe like when she said that she didn't have art the first time that she was writing artificial condition, I can't even imagine yeah. <laughs> where the series would have gone without art. Yeah. Clarification. So in their time that they got to meet Martha Wells, she apparently said that in her first run uh, or draft of artificial condition, she did not have art developed in case anyone like me was trying to figure out the like contextual clues there. <laughs> Yes, yes. And like the collective gasp of horror from the audience was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But then once art was introduced, she's recognized that. And, and that's what she said she does is that she writes and then all of a sudden a character will develop and then it's, okay, wait a minute, we need to revisit this character or this character needs to become more of a component of, of the stories. And art, art is one of them. I'm devastated that 2.0 is gone. Um, yeah. I would like I would have liked 2.0 to stick around. I'm intrigued by three. Um, I I like the idea of this this program is now out in the universe, um, which is you know, uh, <laughs> which is um, you know, that, murder. That bot. is Murphy. Okay, cleaning himself on top of Daenerys. <laughs> anyway, Continue. yeah. I like that, um, you know, we, in the future, Murdermott may encounter somebody that has hacked their own module and governor's module and utilized Murderbot's existence in order to go forth in the world as a free agent rather than conscripted. And um, so I'm kind of hoping that that pops up into the future and how they then have to interact with somebody that knows them intimately, but they've never encountered them before. So I think uh, hopefully that will manifest sometime in the future. I think that's really cool. In the next two books? Yeah. Oh, I got, if there's only two more, I might be, I might be devastated because I, I, I want this to go on forever. <laughs> She's been spoiled by Anne McCaffrey. I have. Oh, yeah. And, and the other part of the plot, too, that I liked was when they were dealing with the colonists, how Murderbot, like especially, but like Art and the rest of the team, how they had to kind of put together the documentary to reach the colonists and um, and just kind of convey their argument. Um, like, oh, here's actual kind of AI generated art in a way. Um yeah. <laughs> and I just that was pretty cool. Um especially because Murderbot relies on media itself so much to like I think it says it in the book, like it was shaped by the media that it saw. Yeah. And then it kind of applies that same concept. It was just it was cool. I liked that yeah. part a lot. I love the scene when Murderbot just kind of squats down and hides its face and it's working through developing the plan to put together the documentary. And we actually get to sit there inside its its own thought processing and um, 
as it as it's trying to figure out how to convince the the colonists that they want to um they want to actually leave the planet and not go with the the bad guys so yeah i just love that scene because it was yeah, not and something we've typically seen a murder bot yeah, and I liked, too, how it described its physiological reaction that its body was having, because it was, like, getting excited mm-hmm. or whatever about it. And, like, even Art yeah. was like, oh, I can see a performance increase going on with you, so I wasn't going to interrupt you or whatever. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're just letting you have your little moment there. <laughs> yeah. That was cool. Got a lot to say, Amber? Every time I started to talk, one of you talked. So... Yeah. I was literally going to say, I am still here. Uh, these two are just, like, really excited. I mean, every time I looked at your screen, you were just doing your yarn thing. So it was like, okay. That's just to occupy my hands. I've ever, Literally every time I leaned forward to start talking, one of you would start talking. And I was like, okay. I should you just practice right. oh, your no. comment with a scream. I should what? Practice your comment with a scream. With a scream. Okay. So. My thoughts on the plot, now that you two have discussed everything about it. (laughs) I almost wish this had been a novella again. It definitely doesn't feel like a lot of action for a full-length novel. I didn't hate it. I read it twice. I enjoyed it. Um, But the pacing feels a little weird for it for me. Like Sarah, the reaction at the beginning confused me, and I couldn't decide where that was going. Because we've had almost every novella and book has had like kind of a a theme to it, a genre theme. And this one I just wasn't sure and couldn't quite settle into. Um, so this one was was a little bit stranger for me. However, I did like still being on the planet. I did like watching them have to go to this colony and like use media as the means to explain the situation to them. Um, I even like seeing kind of the more bad guy-esque side of the system that we've kind of been wavering around, shifting around, but like hasn't actually been like, like, a mat like the corporations haven't been a massive component. Murderbot has told us about them, and there has been some like external factors that factor into it, but it really was non-corporation versus corporation in this moment, and it was kind of nice to get to see that. It's not the most action-heavy of the stories, though, in terms of like physical fighting and all that kind of stuff. This definitely felt like it had less action than even some of the novellas, in my opinion didn't hate it just kind of my feelings on the plot i do agree with like i mentioned before there was a lot of walking through tunnels and rooms and descriptions of it and yeah i have trouble focusing sometimes when it's just background descriptions going on so yeah there were parts where it was like okay and then they finally do reach the colonists and then things pick up there but it definitely has a slow start so rapidly done because it's only like the last 15 percent of the book that that's happening um so you get through that portion so quick and it feels like we spend so much time getting to that for it's not have as much payoff as i would have liked and even the redaction we spend so much of it just to find out that the neuro tissue is acting funny 
And it's like, okay, but like, what are we doing with that? And it's kind of just a murder bot doesn't trust itself now. Um, And that's the extent of that component that the first half takes up so much energy being presented to us. See, all of this to me is um, a necessary step in Murderbot's development. Murderbot has been through a tremendous amount of trauma prior to us even being introduced to Murderbot. And the fact that every time trauma hits, it shuts down, indicates that the level of trauma that's been ignored up until this point can no longer be ignored. Um, and and so to me, it it does fall into a genre, and that is a psychological thr- thriller. And the psychology is Murderbot. But and it's and I can see that, but it's kind of missing the thriller components to it. Psychology, yes, this is clearly going on it. And I guess the psychology psychological thriller is the closest to genre drop dropping that I would put it in. But even then, it like I don't know. It, it well, was take not thriller out of it, and it's a psychological uh, evaluation and development. Psych eval. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, psych eval. That would actually be a good way to put it. But um, I don't hate these that style of writing. I don't. I don't hate um, like reading true crime novels where a lot of time is just spent talking about what it is that developed the bad guy into being the bad guy. I like the idea of delving into how Murderbot has ended up where they are. And, and the fact that there are human components and mechanical components and and now there's freedom and it's got to figure out how it's going to survive in this world, not only physically, but psychologically. And again, if looking at other categories, those aspects will fall into me liking it. But in terms of the plot, mm, I was not as enthusiastic. I enjoyed listening to it. I enjoyed being in Murderbot's head. But the plot was not the strongest it has been. This definitely felt like going from one moment to a next and kind of those those filler books that you have to have in a series where you you need certain information to be developed and like provided to the reader but maybe you're sacrificing action content in order to give them that information if that makes sense okay i mean so oh, oh go ahead i was going to say cuz like when when she did her thing the interview thing and, and uh-huh whatever i can't think of the words um i mean the book signing she had trouble writing this book like it took her a while and so like ah. reading it it's like i can kind of feel that i guess a little bit mm-hmm. um I, yeah i definitely enjoyed this book but it, it is one of the ones that would be lower for me on like enjoyment level because it doesn't have like the pure snappy action and just you know fun or dialogue it's murderbots being a little bit more subdued this time around it's yeah so that, what would you rate the plot point. book no i don't know how this <laughs> taken by surprise we've only been doing it for like almost a year now i would give it an eight an eight? Okay. What about you, Kim? 
10. I loved it. <laughs> okay. Main characters, which I think in this case is just Murderbot? I would say, I, yeah, I think so. Okay. So, obviously we love Murderbot. I, I don't know, like, we've already been discussing Murderbot as a character in this point. Is there anything else you guys want to add about Murderbot's character? I mean... This, like I just was saying, it, it's a little bit more subdued in this book. It's, uh, I feel like it pays not more attention to the people and what's going on, but it, it it's more hyper aware of danger mm-hmm. and of its own capabilities. There's a lot of self-doubt. Um, I will say this is the most human murder bot has felt. Yeah. I mean, like, it had its little the redacted episode thing but for me that just made me think of like a panic attack and so the way that mm-hmm. Murderbot acts like how it's always aware that that could happen to it again and could shut it down at the worst possible time it's like oh that's the same thought that's always in my head about panic attacks because it's like once you have one you're fucked you can't could come undo them yeah. yeah it's like no that sucks I, so like i experienced that with anxiety as well is is it's you're doing an action. You're like, there's no reason why I as a human being can't fulfill this action. But you're like, but what if this time it happens again? What if, so like, for example, I used to get sick to my stomach just leaving the house. And did I always get sick to my stomach leaving the house? No. Would I panic that I would get stuck into a situation where I was going to be sick to my stomach? Yes. Did that increase the odds that I would then get sick to my stomach? Yes. Yeah. So like, like, I can relate to that struggle of Murderbot in this. I think this is the most I've related to Murderbot in terms of a, as a character. Yeah, I mean, I've always found it pretty relatable, but yeah, in this one especially, it was like, okay, yeah. Again, a lot of the times, Murderbot is you in my head, which is why <laughs> the casting kind of threw me off is because... <laughs> I really was thinking Andrew is leaning towards female. Female. I know. I really. I went. Alex Skarsgård is not Sarah. <laughs> not. <laughs> Could Sarah lift a whole human being? No. Could Sarah as a robot lift a whole human being? Yes. Is Alex Skarsgård going to be able to have that awkward look on his face that I see happen to Sarah when she has to talk to people? <laughs> No, it's not going to be as good because every time Skarsgård or uh, Murderbot turns to a wall and like avoids looking at people, I just see that look when you get it, where you just look at me like, do I have to communicate with this person? And I step forward so you can pretend like they're not there. (laughs) (laughs) Pretending like people aren't there is my favorite strategy. You're so good at it. Even when you're having conversations with them, there are times where you're having conversations with that people, but I'm pretty sure they're not there. You're just going through the motions. <laughs> so, Kim, what did you think about our main character? Could you relate to any of this that we were clearly relating to? No. No, because I don't function in this way, shape, or form at all. Um, <laughs> however, I love the psychological profile. So 
I love him special and doesn't get panic or anxiety attacks. I don't. I don't. Good. It's a Keep normal it human being. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been doing this for a while. I think I can manage not to suddenly fall into having. Ang- I, I mean, do I experience anxiety? Yes. Everybody experiences anxiety. It is not a defining debilitating for you. Life. Yeah. Not in any way, shape, or form. Um, oh, that do must I be nice. Wish, do I wish I could say the words in my head out loud to people? That murder bot. I'm glad does. you can't. I am glad yeah. you cannot because the ones that do accidentally slip through, I am like, what the hell? You can't say that. Your filter loud. broke. Step back. <laughs> That's the only part of 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 murder bot that I relate to is is the whole um, oh. yeah lack of filter when they decide to it decides to uh, call it as it is and yeah but. The psychological profile, like I said, that that's what I love about all of this. That I've talked in the past about loving angel stories because they're a reflection of humanity. To me, Murderbot is an even better version of that. Is we we're getting to see humanity in its reality via this. Um, there's a word that I'm trying to think of, but I can't. Um, but this reflection because personification. Mm, no different word okay it's a kind of a mirroring i can't remember the word but anyway the point would allegory be... no anyway Great. yeah uh that's what i love about it so okay so what do you rate the character then 10 i mean Sarah? 10 okay that's the solid is 10 all all... favorite oh did i not rate the plot I don't think I rated the plot. I, I give the plot an eight. <laughs> I give it yeah, an eight. You gave it eight. Okay. You said that. Right? I didn't type it. Yeah. Okay. I said eight. I don't remember Amberly saying it, but I guess maybe not. Maybe not. I'll say eight. It might have been a seven, but it gets an eight now. Okay. Secondary characters. I wish. Art droid was actually art, but mm. I was okay with it. Huh? What's art going to be with Murderbot? I don't the know. That's like physically impossible. It's I it's know. It's I mean, I'm glad we still got art drone and not just like drone. Thank you, not droid. God. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I like how, even though art replicates itself and puts itself in the drone. It's not the same. So it's mm-hmm. like every time either one of these two recreate themselves, it's it's like they it's impossible for them to actually recreate themselves. So they're not it's not just a rewritten program. It's not cut and paste the same exact thing. Every single version is unique. And I, I think that is intriguing. I think that's uh uh an underlying component of this entire story. I think with Murderbot, it has to do with the um, human aspects of it, the physical human aspects of it, and that's adjusting who Murderbot is. Um, I think it's interesting that the same thing happened with art, but I don't, I don't know why. So it, it, I think it's very, very cool. Unrelated. 
but my favorite character moments where, and I'm going to get his name wrong, mostly because I can't remember his name because I listened to this like three weeks ago. Um, when he is on the little ship transport. Who's he? I can't remember. But he's from the original. Yes, it's from is the it original. Rathy? I think it is Rathy. Thank you. And like Murderbot is like, Rathy is going to get himself killed again or almost killed again. I know it. And Rathy then makes like smart choices that he has been learning from Murderbot and defends why people should listen to Murderbot. <laughs> it's because Rathy was the one that was was almost eaten in the first yeah. story. And so it was kind of it's been kind of an ongoing joke. And very subtle because I I just listened to the entire thing again, just read yeah. and listened to the entire thing again, and um, it's been kind of this little subtle ongoing joke. And then we get to this point, and Rathy is uh, finally smart enough to stop putting himself into situations where he's going to get eaten by indigenous and creatures I loved on it. the planet. Yeah, I loved it. It was honestly probably my favorite moment of the entire thing. And if someone comes back to me in like six months to a year's time and is like what do you remember best about system collapse? I'm going to go, oh, that's the one where they were the colonists and Raffi, but I won't remember Raffi. I'll be like, and the one guy has finally learned not to get himself stuck into situations where he could die. <laughs> and that'll, that'll be the sum of it. That is what I will remember. I don't know why. I just, <laughs> that's what I liked best. Yep. I, I remember that scene. It was a nice moment. Any other secondary character thoughts? Um, I mean, mostly it was art drone. I just, I really liked their interactions. I liked how they kept referencing art's lack of proportionate response. Um, like it just goes straight to just annihilation Murder. if it can. <laughs> that Destroy was great. It. Humans are threatened. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of missed seeing the old crew because you really only have, I mean, Iris though is part of Art's crew. There's Iris yeah. and Rothy's on the shuttle, so you don't really see him too much. Tariq, I think, the okay. commando guy, ex-commando. Mm -hmm. um, shit, I'm missing some people, I feel. But, I can't remember names, so I couldn't tell you if my life depended on it. Yeah. Um, I liked seeing Iris, though. Um, I liked her in I like the first, her in or the, not art. first book, but in Network Effect. Um, yeah. Well, she's Art's Rathy, as yeah. Motorbot points out. Um, and Kim, I remember when we were talking about casting at the hotel. So before the episode was, not the episode, the show was announced. Yeah. And how you'd said, like, Kiki Lane or whatever, you could imagine her as, like, playing Murderbot. Yeah. Um, that actress. But like honestly, that she's my visual for Iris is like I see that actress. Oh, she would be a a phenomenal Iris. She would. She would. Kiki Lane was in uh the um Old, the Guard. Old Guard. I have not. Yeah, you still haven't watched the Old Guard. No. I'll punish her. <laughs> it's been out for years. So good. So good. You know and you know who I could picture as Rafi, Sarah? Um, what's his name from uh, iZombie? Oh, him. Yeah. I don't remember his name. 
Oh, he's been in so many things recently. Let me see here. I zombie cast. And I'm sure I'm gonna butcher it. Um Raw. You guys keep Rule? talking, I'll be right back. Holy. Yeah. Played Ravi in the in the cast. Um he's also in Midnight Mass and The Fall of the House of Usher and The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, he was in The Haunting of Hill House? I don't remember him in The Haunting of Hill House. And The Haunting of Bly Manor. Um, but, like, I could just... I don't know. I could just see him playing Rafi, and I think he would be hilarious as Rafi. I Yeah. Yeah, he would be good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I have really a, a strong mental picture for him. Um... Definitely not for like most of the characters because their name there's there's quite a few of them, yeah, and not a lot of physical description often is given for the secondary characters, um, yeah, the other one that I can visualize, except um I don't know her name. Give me just a second, so let me say this one thing that Amina um, Pinley Pingley Menza. So, yeah the one thing i hope to see is because there's so much uh people of co- so many people of color it, it just outwardly, like predominantly yeah yeah i hope it stays that way when they make the uh the, the tv show i hope we get a very wide cast of people of many origins god i would hope they don't cast like a white dude for like Razzy. <laughs> Yeah. So who and I don't even know if it's necessarily the accurate like because I I have a hard time visualizing ethnicity in books mostly because like I said I see color emotions not like facial details um so I don't know if this is accurate or not but I would love to see Orna Jagannathan as uh Menza. And I can I don't I could you like give a picture or something? Because I can't search yes, yes. by just that. I do what? That very <laughs> Indian name? You <laughs> does it work for you? Uh right here. Oh, she would be good. I that's who I visualize kind of. Like if oh, I were to she... do a casting, this what is who I visualize. In? Oh, never have I ever. Uh, never yeah, have I ever. Yeah. Yeah. That is who I would visualize as Benza. I don't know why. Like even like when I hear the audiobook and the speaking, <laughs> when I hear the 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 um audiobook, the speaking mannerism for that character makes me think of her. Um, and the mm. way she speaks just makes me think Menza. I think so. I picture Mensa a little older. Um. But, oh, see, like, 51 seems solid to me for Menza. Yeah, but she also doesn't yeah, look I 51, think... this actress. That's true. Yeah, in those pictures, she doesn't. If you look through more pictures, there, there are some that she, that she uh, definitely looks a looks bit more accurate. Older. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, so that's who I picture. Um, but continuing on, are we ready to rate secondary characters? I do want to say... It was a bit yep. of a shame that we didn't see more of three. Like, I would have loved to yeah. see more of three and Murderbot interacting directly. That would have been cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, 
I really liked near the end where we meet another ship, just like Art, that Art just absolutely hates. That was a hilarious, like, last two pages. That was, that was gold, all of that. I think, to me, it reads like she, like, Martha Wells is holding back on three. I think three is going to be a major component of the next one or two stories. If it goes Um, with Murderbot and Art, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, like I said, I envision things kind of exploding out and we finding out that Murderbot's plan to, not plan, but inadvertently starting to release all of these sec units is going to explode in the universe. And I think it's going to be interesting. Okay. But rating the secondary characters, because I'm going to keep us moving along here. No. Emma, can I assume tens across the board, or yeah, of course, Art Art was there. There, okay. And then I'm going to pause us real quick. So I have to say, I was kind of worried that you guys would not have enough to say this episode. I should have realized just by saying Murderbot, you would instantly give an hour's worth of content. (laughs) Well, you know, the first time we tried to do this was uh, not super successful, so. Pure chaos. It lasted like three seconds. I don't see how it was pure chaos. No, it was was about ten minutes. I don't know what to talk about. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to plausibility. It was plausible. I mean, I, there wasn't anything in it that I was like, oh, no, that's not Im- that's improbable. I mean, yeah, it's like a construct with neural human tissue. It's plausible that it would develop trauma. Um, Using media about- to convince people, completely yeah. plausible. The corporation wanting to just use people as assets and, you know, obtain them. Uh, plausible. Uh, Murderbot doesn't, like, do anything that's super crazy or, like, physically... Imp- like, it knows its limits and it acts yeah. accordingly. Um, it doesn't gain any sudden superpowers or anything like that that makes it more capable than normal. Um, well, no, and it's it- at risk because it doesn't have the, the repair module that it needs. So it yeah. it has it's had to adapt in how it now fights, um, because it 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 is at higher risk of dying. Yeah, and it doesn't have like any of its drones either, so it's severely yeah like handicapped it, in that regard. Like, mm-hmm. just yeah, plausible, plausible. Yep. Tens again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. The ending. 100% book for me. (laughs) I know it is. The ending. Any specific thoughts? Uh, I mean, I liked it. Okay. You know, it wraps up the stuff with, well, not completely wraps up the stuff with the colonists, but pretty much kind of gets that settled. And, uh, you know, Art is finally going to be able to leave. Um, again, that other ship, Holism or whatever, I don't know how to pronounce it, but like that I, one appeared. Yeah. 
absolutely hilarious. So again, just love that little bit tossed in there. And then mm-hmm. Murderbot's like last little mental thoughts to itself about how it's going to go off with art. That was just, that was nice. So yeah, very happy with the ending. Not related to the ending, but now I'm curious. Do you guys visualize a male voice for art or a female yes. voice for art? Male. Male? Okay. <laughs> Which is weird because I see like fan art and stuff for art and they always tend to give it like feminine characteristics if it is in any way represented like in a humanoid. I'm like, I don't know. And then they usually have murder bot like more masculine. I'm like, I don't know. I, I imagine both of them having more masculine. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts on the ending? Does Kim have any thoughts on the ending? I liked it. No, my <laughs> all of my thoughts in regards to this book are are my speculations on future books. I mm. I, I don't I don't. And then my one tieback is because I just recently read the ship who sang and the the two follow on books by Anne McCaffrey. Um, in which they're 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 called brain ships. Yeah. So they take an undeveloped human, or it, it's a human, but they they have a disability, and they make them a ship. And I and I and I kind of wish I would have asked Martha Wells now if that was her kind of inspiration for art was if he's a kind of pulls out of that out of Anne McCaffrey's universe. Um, and then that that drops me into thinking about are the corporations actually abusing humans and forcing them into sec units, forcing them into ships. And because they're partially programmed or completely programmed because it's not fully human or it's a suppressed human is this um, enslavement. So I, you know, but again, I'm speculating on the future of these books rather than um, living in the current of these books. I mean, okay. Even if they just grew the constructs, which is how I always interpret it, it's just, you know, they grow the tissue and they build the machine parts. Matrix style. I mean, it's still sentient. So (laughs) regardless of whether it started out an independent human or not, it is still a living, sentient, maybe not living, but sentient creature. So it is kind of enslaved no matter what. So and, and yes, it, it it's a hundred percent enslavement, mm-hmm. and I think it's it, it Murderbot's kind of addressing that uh, within itself um, when it's kind of touching on its human components that it doesn't like well. Um, what I find interesting is that we can look at it and we are as readers speculating on how the sec units are created, um, but the narrator is is Murderbot. So we have an unreliable narrator. We have no idea how they're created because that isn't yeah. explicitly co- explained. We don't know what happened to Murderbot originally um, in that initial scene, which I've just read recently because there was in the initial not scene um, the when Murderbot murdered everybody. It, you know, oh. it lost control and it murdered everybody. Inganaka Pit or whatever. Yeah. So having just read that, when Murderbot revisits Ganaka Pit, there's a point where it says, and here somebody defended everyone. Um, and I'm like, well, obviously that's Murderbot, but Murderbot is assuming that whoever, whatever that was that was defending everyone was defending everyone from Murderbot. But I think it was actually Murderbot defending everybody else 
from something ex external of it. But again, mm. everything I engage in this book is speculation on the future. And um, that's why I needed to go on forever because I need all of these things addressed. And <laughs> uh, novellas are not going to address it in, in the level that I, I need it addressed. I need two more, you know, those huge books that you guys make me read. I need like five more of those. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what I have to say about, I don't even know what we were talking about. The ending. The ending. ending. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you guys rate the ending? 10. Me too. I give it an 8. <laughs> Mechanics. She's a fantastic writer because if I am if I am this hard into speculating on the future, she's given me a lot to speculate on, even if it's just subtle little one-liners. And that's, yeah, okay. that, this is heaven and book to me. Sarah? Yeah, I mean, like Kim said, she's a really good writer. Um, and I just, I like the, the attention to detail that she gives, um, especially again, on how like she handles murder bots response to everything it has gone through i don't know if amberly's frozen or just really watching sushi real closely he's watching sushi okay i no, i'm watching a cricket whatever in sushi's look, enclosure yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you look at her eyes they she, you can see her eyelashes blinking that's how i knew she wasn't frozen oh okay <laughs> um sushi's in brumation so sushi isn't moving around so she's burrowed into a little like crevice so I can't watch sushi. I'm watching. It's For anyone who's wondering, sushi is a bearded dragon. Uh, you so should have just that. left it a mystery, man. <laughs> you know, I'm just watching She's sushi. Watching food. She's watching food. food well, you said brewmating, so they could have figured out she was a reptile, but yeah. <laughs> I literally have anyway. no idea what I was saying, by the way. Like, that train of thought. Just... <laughs> we were talking Ooh, about going. mechanics. Mechanics. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, just like handling how Murderbot has responded to everything and just thinking about how that would affect a character. Because not a lot of authors do that. Um, they just kind of, maybe their character cries a bit after something hard happened and then they move, you know, they just kind of are fine again. Um, so, yeah, I like the mechanics. The one thing that I will mention again is that I did kind of, even at the second read through, I kind of, my brain wandered when it was a lot of walking through tunnels and rooms. Um, I just had a hard time focusing on that part. Yeah, I'd say that's my one downfall with the mechanics is just the pacing on this one is a little off. Um, otherwise, it's solid writing. It just, but you guys said she expressed this one was difficult for her. And I think that just yeah. re reflects a little bit in the writing is that it's so not... It's kind of funny because you guys keep talking about the walking through the tunnels. That was such a reflection of when when we started this series, Murderbot would have run ahead. But Murderbot had, they, they were going to survive or they were going to throw it at, you know, they were going to get to the point where then they could just get put into their whatever chamber and, and be rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. um, a little cubicle. Yeah. 
now walking through dark spaces doesn't have its eyes doesn't have the the i'm just going to get better it that was all a reflection of for me of of murderbot having to adapt and so i enjoyed those portions yeah, because it, it was showing murderbot having to go okay i have to i have to take this a little bit slower and it's another thing that she talked about when she when when we were at the book signing she talked about how Murderbot functions on so many levels and it's really hard for her to write Murderbot going so fast while humans are going so slow and she's got to express that in the writing. So the fact that Murderbot had to slow down in these tunnels, I can speculate that that was purposeful in order to show that Murderbot has to take things a little bit slower than it than it did typically in the past because things have changed dramatically for Murderbot since the beginning of all of this. Yeah. So there, I can give it a it's, 10. Yeah. I feel like maybe <laughs> if I had read all of this, like if this was following directly after network effect, if you were, were reading everything all in a row, it would fit a little bit better. Um, it's just, I haven't reread those books in a while. So like, to me, it was just, it just felt slower than normal, but not like, not really thinking about why that would be the case. Yeah. Um, what do you give the mechanics, Sarah? Kim's giving it a 10. Uh-huh. Yeah. In case you didn't see her hands. I up. already wrote it down because she already said it. <laughs> that is true. She did. <laughs> uh, I, I would still give it a 9.5. Um, especially because the redacted thing threw me off a little bit. The first time around. I'm going to give it... An eight. Predictability. I, didn't I feel was, it was predictable at all, but in a good yeah, way. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely didn't find it to be predictable and not in a bad way or a good way, just in a, like, I wasn't sure what genre we were going for this time. I wasn't sure what the redacted meant. I wasn't sure how they were going to resolve the issue with the secondary colony group. Like it, it kept me guessing as it was going. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, they do still follow the same usual format, which is like, well, all systems read like starts with action immediately. Yeah. But there's like, it usually kind of just goes along and then there's suddenly like a big burst of action right at the end um, where Murderbot usually gets like torn up or damaged yeah. in some way. Um, and then, you know, and then there's like a little epilogue. So in that regard, it still followed that same format. And I was kind of expecting some sort of shit to go down near the very end, which it did. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it wasn't like, oh, here we go. Now it's going to turn a corner and then it's going to have to shoot these, you know, not, not in any way like that. It was just enjoyable even if you kind of have an idea of what to expect, you really don't know exactly how it's all going to play out. So what I'll defend with that is it very much makes me think um, that by having the stories follow a very similar arc each time in terms of what action points are going to happen at certain points, it allows the author to the then focus on playing with other elements for the unpredictability. That way then you don't feel like you're reading a completely whole new different book, you know, completely different characters. There are certain things that are included in order to allow other things to be different. If that makes sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so. Any other thoughts on predictability? 
Sarah? I'd give it a 10. Okay. Kim? 10. I'm going to give it a 9, only because the redacted, redacted thing did bother me a little bit. And it frustrated me at times. Like, I was like, I need more. Um, emotional reaction. I mean, I didn't get as emotional with this book as I have with some, like, network effect, I think, has really punched me sometimes um, in certain scenes. But, I mean, yeah, like, commiserating with Murderbot over the whole redacted thing and that fear of it happening again. Got that. And, um, and again, just all of the interactions with Art Drone. Hilarious. Make me laugh out loud. Um, and then with when holism shows up, and then Arch just fucking hates that ship so much. That was <laughs> amazingly hilarious. Just, just super great. So, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It definitely poked my emotions. I will say this is the one I think I've had the m- almost the most emotional reaction to, and I think it's because this is the most I've related to Murderbot. Um, although it's still really weird because I don't know why when I visualize these characters in my head and like can relate them to people, as I have said a thousand times, Murderbot very much makes me think of Sarah and I kind of relate to art more than Murderbot for lack of like, why are you laughing, Kim? No, no reason. No. Now, why are you because laughing? Because you guys are art murderbot. It's hilarious. That's, I mean, that's kind of what I was going for. I know. It, that's it, what it, made me. Because, Amber yeah, I feel. Work on her lack of proportionate response to people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't you want to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know, I I forgot that you did not know me as a high schooler where when other people would upset my friends, I would go on a murderous rampage of righteous oh. dignity. Um <laughs> Yeah, I missed that part, so okay. Yeah, Never no, mind. I check that box. <laughs> yes, that box is very much checked. That's why I was like, wait, no, you you and I'm it's like, like you no, haven't I... seen me in my cycle years. Yeah, well, and I was like, no one has insulted you enough to warrant me going full like killer mode on them in terms of how I react. You've only ever seen me like step in between to give you space, not my like, you say one more fucking thing about Sarah and I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it this way. All three of my kids are slightly feral when it comes to their protective issues. Um, <laughs> they They will they will harm in order to protect those that they care about. Yeah. I wonder so, who no. they got that from. I have no clue. <laughs> no clue. So yes, I, I very much relate more to art than Murderbot, but as Murderbot Murderbot? That was a good word. I like that one. Murderbot. Um... <laughs> As murder bot becomes more human-like, I start to 
relate to Murderbot a bit better. However, at the same time, I feel like art is slowly becoming more humane. More what? As humane. Oh. Not quite human, but like their response is more taking into consideration how it might harm harm. At least we're getting close to the end. (laughs) No, I still have to record two more things after this. I'm getting close to the end, so. Art is more considerate of how its actions will harm Murderbot as opposed to just reacting. And again, that's something I can relate to because as I get older, instead of just coming out throwing punches, I think about the repercussions of those punches on the person I'm trying to protect. That is not from me at all. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> no, that is not from you. That is an evolution away from you. And it's probably mm-hmm. a good thing. Yeah, you know. <laughs> we'll see. Okay, so what are your guys' ratings on the emotional reaction category? Ten. I'd give it a ten. Okay. I'm going to give it a 10 too. Readability. It's awful. I had to read it twice. I don't know how I got through it. I mean, to be fair, I did have to kind of read it twice to really fully get the redacted storyline like straight in my head. Um, But even so, like, it was easy to reread and easy to read the first time. Just missed a couple details here and there. (laughs) <laughs> I was being sarcastic. I know you were being sarcastic, but I was just commenting on the fact that, oh, well, I guess it wasn't as easy to read as some of the other ones. Um, okay. Those elements, but still, still very readable. Still enjoyable. And Kim had a horrible time. I did. It was awful because I had to read all of the books over again <laughs> in order to enjoy it. Okay, so what is your guys' rating for readability? I mean, I guess I'll give it a 9.5 because it did help to reread it. Um, okay. Kim? I'm going to give it a 10. I already told you it was going to be a 100% book for me. <laughs> That's so biased. I'm going to give it a 10. Not biased. It's my honest view on the book. It is. I, yeah. Murderbot. Love it. This This one is perfection. Yes. Okay. Uh, style. I hate style. Almost as much as I hate uh, predictability or whatever the other one is. Plausibility. 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 Yeah. I just get confused what we mean by style every single time. And sometimes it seems to change depending on what book is being discussed. Um, (laughs) So style is essentially when, if you were to be handed this book, would you know it's a Martha Wells book without seeing Absolutely. her name attached to it? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, like, even when I read, like, books that aren't Murderbot but are still Martha Wells, like The Witch King and the Rockstar series, I can hear, like, she has a very distinctive, like, voice in the way she has her characters think and speak and yeah. react. Yeah. So all of that is style. Very style is is being able to look at an author 
and either be able to tell that it's them, it's not them, or mm. looking at or what cho- like choosing purposely to do a different voice, but it's still their yeah. style. Or even just being like, I can tell this inspired them and they excelled at taking that forward. It's it's just the essence, for lack of better description. Is that that clear enough for you, Sarah? Yeah, I'll probably ask again the next time we do I, this. But, yeah, I know. Um, I know. That's especially your style. if it's a book that doesn't really have style, like some of those YA books that just kind of seem to copy the others that are coming out, you know, and then they just kind of seem very generic, or maybe they're edited down to be very generic to appeal to a wider audience. Um, those are the ones that throw me because they don't really have anything to use. That's distracting, but <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know. Just the way you're staring, but also squeezing the ball. Um, I'm smelling it, actually. I'm not oh, staring. Okay. And squishing weird. it. Really? A ball of yarn for anybody who needs uh, clarification on the conversation that's taking place. On what kind of ball she's smelling? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is a ball of yarn. And I, I feel like Miss queen of sniffing books should not judge if i smell yarn <laughs> that's why i said it <laughs> okay so what is your rating for style sarah i give it 10 very clear style kim i give 10. it a one i already told you well, oh you one kidding. okay <laughs> well I that's what kidding. she said i gave it nope. a 10 no nope. don't you nope. dare don't <laughs> you dare go beat her up i'm going to uh, okay, a 10. Because mm-hmm. you don't think I won't take your sarcasm as truth. <laughs> She'll be like, and Kim gave this one a 91 out of 100. <laughs> That's what, exactly what it was. It was a 91 <laughs> out of 100 mm-hmm. if I had kept the one. Um, I then would have rated it higher than her. <laughs> I think I should have kept it. No. <laughs> Again, you're in the same building, so you have to be careful because if she's like our prime, then her proportionate response is not going to be there. I was about to say I can lock my door, but then I remembered we changed the knobs and I can't lock my door. So, Does that make me art prime and her art drone? (laughs) I'm really like, no. (laughs) No. I think that's Mm, funny. Not a drone. Okay, so Sarah gave it a 97. Kim, I'm sure it shocks everyone, gave it a 100. 100. And I gave it a 93. So it has a total of 290. That's it. I don't think we can get better than this. We're done. That's the end. No more books. All right. Well, <laughs> it's been real. <laughs> it was That was sarcasm for anyone who cannot read my sarcasm because i've been told i have awful sarcasm so this is however our last episode of 2023 we will be back in 2024 on january 2nd with our first episode and we are actually kind of doing something a bit different next year uh each month we have randomly and i do read randomly i went to a generator um minus a couple that sarah just would not read if i held her arm behind her back and looking at you western romance Um, thank you so much (laughs) for not making us do that one although you did allow us to to do american gothic so oh 
I love Gothic. Yeah. So yeah, we're doing American Gothic. Um, but we are doing gut sci-fi, just not soft sci-fi. <laughs> Anyways, you please actually continue. prefer soft sci-fi to hard sci-fi. Your favorite ones fall under the soft sci-fi category. Let's debate this when we're reading them. Okay. But <laughs> that means what we are doing is each month we will have a genre. We will discuss the genre and then we will each be picking our version of that genre, a book that we think represents it or could represent it and discuss whether or not it succeeds or not. We will still be doing our rating system because I think this continues to work well for us. Um, but we will be looking at it at the broader scope of each genre. Um, so, you know, if you guys are doubting your genre choices and you want to win the genre war, maybe, you know, make your changes now. <laughs> okay? I love how you... Sarah looks horrified and Kim is just shaking her head. I can't even distinguish like movie genres. So trying to talk about how well a book fits in a genre, I'm going to be like, so what's the genre? And I'm like, oh, we are going to do an episode discussing the genre and establishing the parameters of the genre at the beginning of each month. We'll see. I don't know if that's actually going to help my brain. See, we'll see. It'll be like a style question every time. Mm hmm. On that note, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Book Pile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can support us on bookshop.org. Our link is available via our social media. You can email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs>